Welcome back to the third episode in the Therapeutic Parenting Podcast from COECT, the Centre of Excellence in Child Trauma. We are committed to providing people living and working with child trauma with proven strategies to achieve the best possible outcomes for families. I'm Serena Gay, your host, and today I'm talking to Jane Mitchell. Jane is birth mother to three children and also an adopter to her daughter Jessica. She's worked with adoptive and foster families for over 15 years and is the Director for Family Stability at the National Association of Therapeutic Parents, which is part of our COECT group. Jane co-wrote the Diploma in Therapeutic Parenting and has co-authored three books with Sarah Nash, the CEO of COECT, who we met in earlier podcasts. Jane's particular specialism is working to develop understanding of the challenging behaviours children may present with. On this podcast episode, Jane is going to shed light on those crucial moments in an adoption situation as parents and children consider what their lives together will be like, when they meet for the first time and when the children move in. Welcome to the podcast, Jane. Thank you, Serena. Thank you for having me. Lovely to have you on the podcast. And let's start with your story as an adopter. What can you tell us about your experience that will help us see you know what you're talking about? Well, Serena, it's a little bit different for me because I actually adopted my daughter knowing her because um, I had been childbinding her for the local authority for some time. So I was well aware that I wanted to have my Jessica in my life. Um, and had I not met Jessica, I would not be an adopter, that's for sure. Having said which, I think that I fell into the into a, a trap because I already had children. I'd been childminding for years. I'd known Jessica for years. Well, since she was one and a half years old, she was uh, two when I applied to adopt her. And I felt that I really knew what to do and that although I knew she was very, very challenging, I thought I'll soon sort all of that out and it'll just be lovely and she'll just be the fourth member of my lovely family and how wonderful that's going to be. And I already loved her, of course, which is a, a bonus in all, in all honesty. You know, it kind of helps you <laughs> along the way. But I think what I forgot was that actually having a child come into your family and having a child 24-7 and having what proved to be challenging behaviours relentlessly is absolutely exhausting. And suddenly, all of my experience and all of my knowledge and everything that had gone before didn't make any difference at all. It was really, really sort of thrashing around trying to find answers to questions. That's how it was for me. That's a great way to start um, because it shows that you really do understand the experiences that people listening to us now, you know, will be going through. So let's dive straight in and ask you to help us understand what is going on in the minds of both the prospective adoptive parents and children, those children with traumatized backgrounds. Those are the ones, of course, that we're talking about. What's going on in both their minds, even before they first meet? Because there is a huge chasm in expectation, isn't there? And, and there's a genuine mismatch, or there can be. 
There is indeed. And I do think that this is very important because it's really not covered, actually, in adoption training at all. So um, when you go to adopt a child, for me, as I say, you know, I, I already loved my daughter, fine. But no parent goes to adopt a child without having that expectation of love, without having that expectation that they will be a family. They might have come into adoption from fostering. They might have come into adoption um, as I did because they already knew the child. So, But it could be a kinship carer or something of that nature. And um, they might come into an adoption because that's something that they felt they always wanted to do, or, of course, as a result of infertility. However you come into it, your expectation is that you will have a child to love, that you will take away all of their hurts, and you will give them all of the things that they never had before, and you will just have this kind of wonderful fairy tale, happy ever after experience. And unfortunately, although adopters are given training, it's not the same, you know, as the real thing. It's a it's a bit like reading a book. You you cannot understand that from training unless it's very expertly delivered. You cannot understand the impact that um a tricky start in life, shall we say. This is this is the language that's usually used. A little bit tricky. They've had a little bit of neglect. There's been a little bit of domestic violence. Or, even worse, you're not told about the history at all. And your expectation is simply that all this child needs is to be loved properly. And there will be some difficulties, of course, because it's been a bit tricky in the past. But all they need is the proper love and the proper environment. Everything will be well. What is going on in the child's mind as this new situation starts to form in its future? Well, this is the this is where the big, big issue starts. And of course, it does slightly depend upon the age of the child, which is not the same as saying that if you adopt a baby, you will have no issues at all because you will. I think the the difficulty starts with the fact that we are not taught to understand that the issues that a child faces, the challenges that a child faces, can start pre-birth. So you can have a child straight from the hospital and you may well still have some issues with that child as a result of the separation from birth mum. Also, as a result, of course, of any issues that the birth mum has had pre-birth in terms of her own experiences, such as domestic violence, or perhaps um, having an addiction of some form or another. And any of those things will have an impact on the child that you're carrying, uh, that is being carried in the birth mother's womb. In addition to which, we start connecting with our babies in the womb. So if you are connecting to your child with a degree of hope and love and expectation, you're providing lots of positive developmental hormones for the child. If you're scared or if it's a hidden pregnancy, 
or if you're at risk of domestic violence or if you are indeed um, under the control of a narcotic substance or whatever, then actually the hormones that you're flooding your baby with are likely to be stress hormones. And what that does is it creates a situation where the child's body adapts to the environment that they will be born into by having part of their DNA potentiated, which means that they will actually have more stress hormones when they are born. So they will be born with a high cortisol level. And that's quite injurious, actually, to the development of the baby's brain, as are any narcotic substances, of course, as we know. So we can start even as early as that. That's the first thing that we're not really told about. And it's a much bigger subject, obviously, than I've just given voice to. Um, But then once the child is born, if they are kept in hospital, they will have been kept in a very strange sterile environment where they did not have sufficient human contact. They would not have had sufficient contact with somebody that just wants to find wonder in looking at their child. That won't have happened to them. Secondly, if they go home with their birth parents and are then removed later, it will be because they've suffered significant amounts of abuse. Now, the problem is, is that the way that our brains develop is that we have an expectation of what will happen and how people act, how the world is and what we are, as a result of our experience. That's how our brain is built. Our experiences create synapses, which build the developing brain. Also, the experiences that we have with our parents as they nurture us, as they love us, as they receive us with with all the love in the world and show us what a wonderful little person we are, that creates our idea of how important we are. So this is the internal working model coming into effect. The internal working model coming into effect. And it is built from your earliest stages of life. So this child, on being told that they are going to have new parents, first of all, they will have been with birth parents, let's say. And then, almost certainly, they will have been to a foster family. And then... If you're lucky, they will be moved to you. They may have had several moves between families. And the reason for all of that is usually lack of understanding of what the child's problems are as a result of their start in life. So the child coming into your home does not expect you to be warm and loving, does not expect you to be giving them loads of experiences and and giving them a lovely time. Indeed, that might even be overwhelming. They might not be expecting to be fed. They might not be expecting to be cuddled ever at all. They may feel that they are the worst child in the world and it's their fault that they couldn't stay with their birth mum and dad. It's their fault they they had to be moved from the foster parents. Actually, Their expectation of you is that you will move them on as well. You will not keep them. This is not a permanent home. They do not have any concept of a permanent home. 
their concept of parents is that is based on their previous experience. So whatever they experienced previously, they will expect to have put in front of them now. And unfortunately, because that, that's what they're used to, it, it can be a situation that they create. So you can see how the mismatch of these two perspectives can really create a huge difficulty, huge difficulty. Is it generally the case that um, prospective parents will have a clear idea of their children's traumatic experiences before the adoption process begins? Or is it something that dawns on them as time proceeds? Well, my own experience was that um, understanding dawned on me as time proceeded. That's absolutely for sure. When I first adopted my special Jessel, she was just three when she came to live with us permanently. And um, I soon realised that I was going to have to do some catching up pretty quickly. At that time, because we're talking about uh, 2003, at that time there was very little in the public domain. Uh, there was more in the scientific domain, but there was very little in the public domain about sort of anything to help children with difficult emotional states. So I started with Daniel Goleman and then I found out about Dan Hughes and then I did lots of training and then I did lots of reading and then I did lots of research, which has never stopped to this day, to understand as the information was coming more into the public arena, why my daughter might feel the, the way she did, why it was so hard for her to feel loved, why it was so hard for her to accept being in a family and why it was so hard for her to manage sharing with her siblings and all of the things that she had tremendous, tremendous difficulty with. Now, of course, we do have that training available, but what we're not told about always is the history of our children. We're not always told. Um, I was told that there were not anticipated to be any difficulties with my Jess, who has turned out to have very complex needs indeed. How can this be the case, actually, Jane? How can it be prospective parents and prospective children are brought together without everybody knowing everything about each other? I mean, the children, of course, won't be told that much about the prospective parents, but why is the background not more apparent to the prospective parents? In all honesty, I think there always used to be a culture of, um, well, if we tell them everything, then, then they won't... They won't want to adopt. They won't want to go down this route. That actually is not my, it's not my experience at all. My experience is, is that adopters want to know. They want to know what's happened with that child. And actually, they need to know. They really do. Because knowledge gives you understanding. And understanding gives you means to cope. Um, and, of course, within our organisation, we have many, many, many tools available for people that need to know more about the effects of developmental trauma. It can still be an issue today. There can be very many reasons why local authorities are cherry about sharing information about children. And it can be that they feel that, well, there they were siblings, so their information is there too. There can be many reasons 
I don't believe that they're viable myself. That's my personal feeling. How can a prospective parent best prepare for that very first meeting with their adoptive child? You have a few meetings as an adopter. That wasn't the case with me. But generally speaking, there should be kind of quite a planned transition. And I think sometimes adopters go with this kind of like, and this is going to be your room and this is going to be this. And it's completely alien to the child. And really, I think um, it's best to be keeping yourself back, being open to let the child come to you at their pace. Let them find out about you. They might come running up to you going, mummy, daddy, or whatever, in the very first instance. Please don't be fooled into thinking that means that they've immediately accepted you as their parent. That's just because they feel that's what they need to do to make you happy. And they need to keep you happy at all costs because they know what it means to have adults that are not happy with them. They've experienced that before. So actually, if we can just think for a moment, you're a very small person. You don't know what's happening. You haven't got a really solid foundation in life because you've not had consistent, predictable and reliable parenting. You've not had good routines, maybe. You might have suffered pain and all of a sudden there are these people or person bounding towards you saying, oh, it's so wonderful to see you and I love you so much and I can't wait to have you in our family. If that was you, how would you feel? Would it make you feel better or would it make you think, who on earth are you? Why should I be able to trust you? Why are you offering me all these things? People have only offered me previously to have lots of treats if they wanted something from me. I've had to do maybe horrendous things to get treats in the past. What's going on here? Why should I trust you? We have to earn our children's trust. and It really is not as simple as just saying, but you can trust me. You can say you can trust me all you like, and until you've proved it, that child will not be able to give you their trust. So it's a gentle process. You need to befriend the child. You need to be kind. You need to be really using pace, really using your empathy, thinking about what's your perspective in all of this? Um And above all others, that's the skill that parents of children from developmental trauma need. We need to have the perspective that what is the child's experience? Because that way we can understand more and we can help them more and we can empathise more. And if we're able to empathise and show the child that we really want to understand how they are feeling then we create a much a much easier way for the child to come into our house if we accept them and if, if we let go of our uh, preconceptions, if we embrace them warts and all, then we stand a much better chance of letting that child gradually come into our lives 
and gradually accept us. So how would you see um, best practice for an initial meeting? How Practically, how could it work? Well, I think it should be low-key. Um, I, I think low-key is crucial for children to be able to assimilate what's happening to them. So if you had ideas about going to Chessington World of Adventures, please don't do that. We need to be interested in what they're doing so that and asking them if we can join in. Maybe we need to take a simple toy that, that we know already is something that they're quite interested in, but not the biggest, best version that we can find. Maybe we need to take some drawing things and just do some drawing and, and say, I really love drawing. Do you like drawing? I bet you can draw much better than me. Just draw the child in. Be patient. Remember, it takes time to build a relationship. Uh, has, has any of us ever had a relationship that we've been able to jump straight into? No, we haven't. So although we want to love this child with all of our might, we have to be a little bit cautious in how we express that because we don't want to overwhelm this small person. We want them to feel really, really comfortable and to really feel that we are interested in them. And then they can gradually start to, to grow and to develop. And even that, to be honest, even that can have its cost because sometimes when children start feeling safe, actually that's when you get some of the behaviours because they feel safe to show you what's happened to them before. That's excellent advice for this initial moment when the two are coming together. But what about when the parent invites the children into the home? I mean, when the child is moving in, what would be best practice for that? Again, keep things low key. So if you were planning a welcome party, maybe not do that. Introduce the child to the house with just yourself, your partner if you have one, any sibling, anybody that's going to be living with you, obviously keep it very low key. Let the child get used to the routines and the patterns of your house. Have a routine. Have a visual timetable for the child. The reason it's important is because it shows the child that everything will happen at the same time every day. It also shows the child that they will they are there today. They will be there tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So it gives them that idea of the future going out before them. It's useful if it's visual because many of our children have a lower emotional age than their actual age and therefore it's easier for them to see something and recognise it than to read a whole load of words. Tip number two is about I wouldn't fill a room with toys for your new child coming in I would make it comfortable and cosy with snuggly sensory things like cushions and fleeces and maybe a, you know, a a bubble tube or a lava lamp or something like that. And a few very small toys, maybe a teddy to welcome men or whatever you think, but not huge amounts of things because it's overwhelming. And because of their poor internal working model, they might think, I don't deserve any of these things and start smashing them and then you'll be upset. So keep it very low key and then bring, uh, when it comes to unpacking, unpack with the child, do it slowly, 
let them tell you the story that goes with their things. Also, you might need to be checking whether they've actually got enough clothes that actually fit them. You would be surprised how often that that turns out not to be the case. Um, if they've got special bits and pieces like a tatty old bit of rag or the scruffiest bit of teddy that you've ever seen in your life, keep them. They are special. Ask the child to tell you about them. Or oh, tell me about Teddy. Tell me about this blanket. Let them give you a bit of their story, but let them set the tone. If they if they just grab everything out and start stuffing it into drawers, that's the way they want to do it. But if they will let you talk about things with you, then give them that space to do it. Don't don't be in a rush. Um, and you don't have to do it all in one day, obviously. Then just bring the child gently into your routine. Do try and find out what their favourite foods are. Please don't be upset if their favourite food is um, junk food, because for a lot of children, that will have been the best meal that they ever had, you know, when they occasionally had spaghetti rings on toast or something. So remember to just accept where the child is. You've got time to introduce proper meals, vegetables, all of those things. They can happen over time. If your child is behaving like a tiny toddler, no matter how old they are, treat them like a tiny toddler. Nurture them like a tiny toddler. Give them that reassurance because what you're doing is you're filling a developmental gap. Above all, be patient, be kind to yourselves and please join a support group before your child comes to you. Join an organisation such as NATP where you can join a Facebook page and you can say, my daughter, my son, our daughter, our son is coming to live with us in X many weeks. Please, can you tell me what your top tips are? And then maybe when they arrive and you're thinking, oh, my words, I've just had a depth charge explode all over my life. What on earth is going on here? Which is, after all, the experience of having a child. You will have somewhere to go to immediately where if you say, what on earth is this? I didn't know this was going to be parenting. You'll have loads of responses back immediately saying, oh, goodness, I remember that so well. And you will immediately have that support and that empathy from loads of other people. So please do get that in place. Also, get your support systems in place around you because it's going to be tough for people, maybe. I mean, you, you might have a fabulous experience, and I really hope you do. For those of you that are due to have a more difficult experience and it's going to be more of a learning curve, you need to have your support. So you need to have your parents or your friends or anybody pre-prepared. And one of the things that's most important is building in from the start some time for yourselves even if it's sort of an hour that you slip out for a walk and leave the children, they need to know that they can be left and that you can come back to them. And you and your partner, if you have one, need to be able to get time and space together. 
And if you don't have a partner, you do need to go and be able to chat to your best friend or have a beer with your mates instead. So just make sure that your support system is there and do let them know that it might not all be plain sailing. Thank you, Jane, because all of what you have to say is invaluable to prospective adopters and and also to those who've already welcomed children into their unit. So thank you. That's been a, a wonderful interview. To find out more about COECT and to access help, please visit www.coect.co.uk or head straight for the Facebook page where you can get answers 24-7, including at weekends and on public holidays. The links for that is in the show notes to this podcast episode, which you'll find listed where you found this podcast. That's where you'll also find the subscribe button, which you can press to automatically receive this podcast every week. We'd love you to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help other people find us and find all our helpful advice. Bye for now.